Welcome to the Zen Stoic Path. In this episode, we're going to be telling a story that shows us how we actually end up scamming ourselves when we have too much confidence. The thing is, confidence is something that's advertised ubiquitously, especially through any kind of self-help or personal improvement. It seems to be like this cure-all that everybody seems to project out. Now, confidence is really important, but when it's looked at as the panacea or the end-all be-all of the difference between getting results or improving our lives or not, then we tend to overdo it sometimes. And the thing is, confidence is specific to context. And real confidence is not stuff that you just convince yourself that you are or that you just tell yourself that you're confident or that you're courageous, but it is developed through being able to not just be self-aware in the potential failures that something could have, but also to be aware in the differences that occur when a context changes. And you'll kind of get to see what that is through the story that we're going to be telling today. The thing is, overconfidence erodes our potential. And we live in a society that celebrates overconfidence and egotism, right? This whole idea of consistently self-promoting and bolstering. And it's not just that people are taught to do that, but some of us even idolize those who are doing it. And the thing is, Overconfidence is not the cure to any kind of self-esteem issues. And when we use it as the cure to self-esteem issues, we start to engage in delusions of grandeur. and We start to get into fantastical grandiosity rather than kind of grounding ourselves in the here and now and being able to take action on what is most important. So let's get into the story. The story is called The Young Archer. The story goes like this. After winning several archery contests, the young archer and rather boastful champion, challenged a Zen master who was renowned for his skill as an archer. The young man demonstrated remarkable technical proficiency when he hit the distant bullseye on his first try, and then split the arrow with his second shot. There, he said to the old man, see if you can match that. Undisturbed, the master did not draw his bow, but rather motioned the young archer to follow him up the mountain. Curious about the old fellow's intentions, the champion followed him high into the mountain until they reached a deep chasm spanned by a rather flimsy and shaky log. Calmly stepping out onto the middle of the unsteady and certainly perilous bridge, the old master picked a faraway tree as a target, drew his bow, and fired a clean, direct hit. Now it's your turn, he said, as he gracefully stepped back onto the safe ground, staring with terror Into the seemingly bottomless and beckoning abyss, the young man could not force himself to step out onto the log, no less shoot the target. You have much skill with your bow, the master said, sensing his challenger's predicament, but you have little skill with the mind that lets loose the shot. This is a fairly interesting story because there are a lot of parallels with what we experience today. You see... Talent is something that is a lot more common than we seem to realize. People are able to get good at things. People are able to develop skills and proficiencies and do things really well all over the world. And since the internet and the ability to share content faster than ever, we start to see how common this is. It's really easy to go online and find videos of People Are Awesome, which are these compilations of people doing these extraordinary feats. And talent is something, like we were saying before, is common. It's not necessarily a rare thing. The The difference is what a person does with the talent. 
and how they carry themselves relative to it. Because if we develop a skill or proficiency at something, and then we rest our entire identity on it, and we start using it as a metric of superiority over other people, or thinking that it somehow makes us more than others, then that is when we get into these situations where our confidence can be dashed. Our identity can come crumbling down, simply with a change in context. See, what most of us don't even realize is that a lot of our confidence are context-dependent. It's not just completely our own doing and willpower, but a lot of the time, when a context changes, for instance, in the story, when the context went from you know standing on flat ground shooting a target to standing on a shaky log with a bottomless with a bottomless pit that context changed the confidence in this archer it was no longer about his skill with the bow but it had to do a lot with how he was dealing with fear and uncertainty in that moment how was he was dealing with his own balance so the way that i personally like to look at building confidence in anything is doing so through the middle way not going so overzealous to try to convince yourself that you're good at something or that you're enough, or that you are capable of getting the thing done. But a combination of optimism in yourself and your ability to improve, having the faith that you can make progress, and the actual effort and skill that you put into it, while at the same time acknowledging the idea that the confidence is built in a specific context, and that when you move context, that your skill may not be as appropriate or as fitting in that context, and therefore you may have to acclimate or get used to the new context. I was reading an article talking about how overconfidence is one of the mothers of all biases. So the psychology article by Don A. Moore. And in one part of the article, he said the following, there is another way, a middle way between too much and not enough confidence. This Goldilocks zone of confidence is where rational beliefs meet reality. It is fundamentally based on truth and good sense. It is built on beliefs that can be justified by evidence and honest self-examination. It steers between the perilous cliff of overconfidence and the quicksand of underconfidence. It is not always easy to find this narrow path. It takes honest self-reflection, level-headed analysis, and the courage to resist wishful thinking. The middle way is not the path to mediocrity. Far from it. It's exceptionally rare to be well calibrated in one's confidence. It requires that you understand yourself and that you are capable of achieving. It requires that you know your limitations and what opportunities are worth pursuing. It requires that you act confidently based on what you know, even if it means taking a stand, making a bet, or speaking up for a viewpoint that is unpopular. But it also requires the willingness to consider the possibility that you are wrong, to listen to evidence, to change your mind. This is a rare combination of courage and intellectual humility, which leads to actively open-minded thinking. It takes just the right amount of confidence. Don A. Moore. That piece of the article is extremely profound because in that we can see a lot of Zen Stoic intentionality in the way of being there for example confidence is not just i i want to feel good i want to feel like i'm better than other people i want to feel superior and i want to give myself excessive amounts of certainty in order for me not to feel scared and going after this thing so instead here what he's talking about is this middle way of confidence which is really interesting because we can think of embracing 
the reality of the situation and where we're at with our particular skill set. Whether this is in a work context and thinking to ourselves that we want a promotion or we want to go after a certain job, we need to acknowledge the current skills that we have and the possibility of the competition that exists of other people maybe trying to go for that same job or same position. And it's important that we embrace that because by embracing it, we open ourselves up to the awareness of the realities that exist. If we resist it and think to ourselves, well, I'm the only one who is skilled enough and I'm going to get this job and I'm, I'm just going to manifest it and law of attraction it into my life. <laughs> That's putting a, a sense of resistance and getting into the indulgence of the wishful thinking that uh, Don Amor was talking about in this article. But the other thing that it does is also goes into it with the sense of understanding, not control. See, confidence doesn't come from a sense of trying to control everything or trying to be certain or right about everything. Part of confidence and courage, for that matter, is being able to go in with an intention of understanding and curiosity to have enough confidence and humility to know that you may be wrong about that which you're certain about. And that if you are, your ability to learn and adapt quickly is going to be more indicative of your confidence rather than your straight conviction on any one thing. The other intention that we see here is an intention of discipline, where he says in this article, it takes honest self-reflection, level-headed analysis, and the courage to resist wishful thinking. Wishful thinking is something that we do out of the delusion of expediency because it makes us go from feeling nervous, scared, or anxious to feeling good. But it's a good feeling of one that is created out of trying to convince ourselves that we are good enough or that we're ready or that we're confident or skilled enough to succeed in whatever endeavor we're actually aiming at in that one situation. So when we have discipline, we have the discipline to sit in the discomfort and use the discomfort as a jumping off point to show us where we need to take action next or what we need to learn next. Remember, discipline is prioritizing meaning over gratification, whereas expediency is prioritizing gratification over meaning. And typically, what this looks like is the relationship that we have to our own emotions. When emotions feel unpleasant, we typically strive for some kind of expediency, or at least that we, we've been taught to be that way, because it's about getting rid of the bad feeling as quick as possible. That's not what's going to give us confidence. Getting rid of our bad feelings by engaging in wishful thinking is not what's going to make us think to ourselves that everything's going to be okay. The real thing that's going to give us more Confidence and actually a calm certainty and peace of mind is engaging in discipline, is pursuing what is most meaningful in these moments. It's learning how to interact with your emotions in a way that you use them as a signal to action towards what is meaningful and important, towards making you better. Looking at each emotion as something that you can learn from rather than something you need to run away from or tell yourself that you're the best and that you deserve everything in the world just because you're feeling anxious or scared about something. That's not necessarily going to solve the initial problem that's arising there. And then the last intention that we see here is sincerity, where he talks about this is a rare combination of courage, intellectual humility, and which actively leads to open-minded thinking. So being sincere about where you are at and not just lying to yourself to be performative to try to impress other people and not just lying to yourself or others about your own confidence, but actually being sincere in where you're at. This is something that we see when it comes to developing true confidence. So true confidence can be built through embracing the reality that is, acknowledging 
the pitfalls and the possibilities of failure so that we are fully aware of them rather than resisting them and pretending that they're not there. It comes with going in with some sincere curiosity and a willingness to learn and adapt and take the feedback of your results in real time rather than pretending once again that they're not there and trying to control the situation. It also takes that discipline, it takes the discipline of taking right action, doing what's meaningful, not acting in expediency just to try to get rid of your discomfort. And lastly, it's not about performing and trying to tell the world or convince the world or yourself that you're confident. It's about being sincere about where you're at, how you feel, and expressing that sincerity in your actions. Through that, you'll learn to trust yourself more and more. When we perform instead of engage in sincerity, what's actually happening is we are more invested in the perception that others have of us, or at least our assumption of the perception of others. Now, the way that that will actually show up in a way that's detrimental to us is it will begin to erode the trust that we have in ourselves. And true confidence versus false overconfidence comes a lot from actually trusting ourselves. We don't trust ourselves just because we tell ourselves that I know what's best and I should trust myself. It doesn't work like that. We begin to trust ourselves more and more by engaging in sincere action and expression. So the more we act and express by based on what is actually true within ourselves, that is where we build that trust. And that trust is crucial for having real confidence that can be cross-contextual. It doesn't only exist in one context. When we are sincere, we we don't have that hardened shell when we change context. So going back to the story of the young archer, if there was more sincerity rather than performance and trying to garner the admiration of the people in the crowd or the the Zen master that he was challenging, but if it was more sincere in his expression, he may not have gotten into the situation where he was trembling in fear and couldn't, you know, live up to the challenge that the Zen master had given him in that moment. So really, really important to engage in a sense of intentionality that points back to your humanity when it comes to actually building your confidence. The thing is we we can build skill, we can build talent, but at the end of the day, that's not is That's not the thing that's going to set us free. It's not the thing that's going to make us happy or get a sense of enlightenment. It reminds me of an Epictetus quote from the Discourses and Selected Writings, where in the section of the things which are in our power and not in our power, he says, When you must write something to your friend, grammar will tell you what words you should write. But whether you should write or not, grammar will not tell you. And so it is with music and musical sounds. But whether you should sing at the present time or play on the lute or do neither, music will not tell you. What faculty then will tell you? That which contemplates both itself and all other things, the rational faculty. For this is the only faculty that we have received which examines itself, what it is, and what power it has, and what is the value of this gift and examines all other faculties. Epictetus. So the rational faculty is really key here, and it shows up in the story where the old Zen master says to the young archer, you have great skill over your bow, but little over the mind that releases the arrow. Now that is really key here because once again, like we were saying before, if you go online, you search up people with great talent, skill, you go on YouTube, you go on TikTok, you go on Instagram, like you're going to see droves of people with skill, talent, beauty, things that are just outstanding and really unique. But how they wield 
that skill and talent comes back to the rational faculty, whether or not to use the words or whether or not to play the music comes back to the rational faculty, the mind. It is the mind that releases the arrow, which is the rational faculty. The skills are something that we can all develop, whether or not to use them or how we use them or how we present them to the world. That falls into the rational faculty. The rational faculty is how we develop the skill of the mind, the skill of the mind that releases the arrow as the Zen master had put it in the story. So being intentional requires the use of the rational faculty. To point back at your own humanity and find inner peace requires intentionality and mindfulness. There's another quote said by Shunryu Suzuki where he says, the goal of the practice is to always keep your beginner's mind. Our original mind includes everything within itself. It is always rich and sufficient with itself. You should not lose your self-sufficient state of mind. This does not mean a closed mind, but actually an empty mind and a ready mind. If your mind is empty, it is always ready for anything. It is open to everything. Shunryu Suzuki. So this is interesting because the idea of keeping our original mind, our beginner's mind, as Suzuki was talking about, is also part of that development of true confidence. If we get into a state where we feel overconfident, we feel like we're trying to control the environment or trying to perform to the environment like the young archer was doing in the story, then what's going to end up happening in such a situation is we lose that self-sufficient state of mind. We lose our beginner's mind. We close ourselves off to any kind of learning because we intend a sense of control. And when we intend a sense of control, we assume that we know everything. We assume that we have nothing left to learn. The young archer hitting the bullseye and then splitting his arrow in the story assumed that he had reached the pinnacle of his skill set, that he had nothing left to learn and that he had surpassed the Zen master, the old man in the story. But the reality is we always have something to learn. Our original mind can always exist. And the thing is, if we get used to the same context too often, if we don't test ourselves or change our comfort zone, then we start to develop this sense of control and certainty where we want to kind of keep everything the same. We want to keep everything in the bubble of that which we've created, the skill set or the talent within. So instead, what we can do is, again, always come in with this sense of understanding and curiosity, willing to learn. That is part of how we keep our original mind. So even in areas that we've achieved mastery in, we're all beginners in unexplored contexts or unexplored territory. So seek understanding through that curiosity. Remember, control closes our minds and stunts our own development. It's kind of like in the Will Ferrell movie, Talladega Nights, where the champion driver, Ricky Bobby, is this amazing driver who is always beating everybody, always winning first place. And then a Formula One driver from France comes in and ends up beating him. And when he beats him, he has this horrible crash on the racetrack, which, you know, puts him out of racing for a long time. And in that moment, he's unable to get back to his old way of driving. And, you know, he leaves professional racing. He starts, you know, delivering pizzas. And his whole skill for driving just gets completely cut out from under him. And what's interesting is that even though this is like a comedy movie, this is typically what will happen in our lives. If we have confidence in a specific context and a specific set of rules, and then our legs get cut out from under us or something happens or we descend into chaos because we have an unfortunate event occur, sometimes 
we lose our whole identity in that because we've based it on the the skill set, the talent, or the confidence that we had on this specific context. So what's interesting in the way that they tell the story in this movie, Talladega Nights, is that when Ricky Bobby is starting to get his groove back, his father is you know teaching him all these things about racing and these very unconventional methods. And he takes him out to drive a car, and in the back of the car there's a live cougar. And he says to him, if you can drive with that cougar in the back, then nothing will scare you out there. So suddenly what he's doing is he's changing the context. In the beginning, he can't drive and gets mauled by this cougar. But then eventually, his ability to drive with the cougar in the car helps him to remove his fear and get back into the race. So although it's a comedy, at the same time, this is a lot of what happens in our own lives. When we have too much pride in a specific context, specific way of being, and we overcompensate with a sense of confidence and an inflated ego about ourselves. Typically what will happen is something will cause our values to fail. And when our values fail, we realize that the thing that we thought was us wasn't us in the first place. And when we rest our identity upon these values, which are ultimately delusional, they always end up failing us and descending us into chaos where it is up to us to figure out how to actually bring that back. Now, it's funny because it's just a dumb, silly movie, but what's interesting is that they actually map out the hero's journey in that movie pretty well. So at the end of the day, overconfidence comes from a place of delusion. And remember, we can succeed and get results by operating in delusion by operating in resisting the world around you, by trying to control everything, by being expedient, by being performative. You can get results like this. You can win technically. The thing is, it's not ultimately sustainable because when we engage in delusions, we are pointing away from our humanity. We are pointing away from that which makes us who we are. And when pointing away, we ultimately will meet with excessive and unnecessary suffering especially in the scenarios where we are rewarded through our delusions. The thing is, unshakable inner peace comes from the ability to self-accept who you are. And that doesn't come easily because it is a sometimes grueling process to self-examine, to self-reflect. And it can be very scary to examine your own intentions for doing things, to let go of control, to be a beginner again. Have compassion for yourself. It's okay to be scared and to feel that way sometimes. Those who most realize their potential in any endeavor are those who maintain a beginner's mind, who maintain this mindset of intentionality and openness that find their middle way with their confidence rather than going around boasting and being arrogant to try to garner enough approval from others so that a person can actually accept themselves. That is an uphill battle that we will never win. Instead, find your middle way. Imagine what it would be like if you had mastery over your rational faculty for reasoning. Imagine if you were able to approach new contexts with curiosity and awe rather than trying to beat your chest or be arrogant and convince yourself that everything is okay. Imagine if you could just be sincere. You could use that rational faculty. You could decide with the power of reasoning whether or not to engage in something and hone and harness not just your skill, but your mind through each challenge that came your way. How would you inspire those around you if you lived your middle way when it came to confidence and what's most important to you?